Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12 tonight. We are going to talk about warring according to prophecies. Warring according to prophecies. We're going to cover in this teaching tonight, first and foremost, about how Scripture teaches. We barely kind of touched on it in another class, but this is nothing but about how now. How do we war a good warfare according to prophecies? And I'm going to show you how that relates, even in relationship to things that have come to pass, where the enemy might still try to, try to stop, you know, fulfillment of what God desires as you're walking it out. As well as things you're still believing for. Anybody here tonight know without a doubt that you've got a, a word from God that confirmed in your heart what God has for your future hasn't come to pass yet? Raise your hand. That's you tonight. So you're going to want to learn tonight how to actually take this into effect in your life to be able to war a good warfare with those prophecies concerning you, what's been spoken over your life. And we're going to show you clearly what could be uh, obviously uh, construed as something from God that may not be, but what we know for, for sure is. And this is what's so critical is for us to understand. You know, the, the reality of what we talk about at times, kind of the old phrase, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, there are people that get off into stuff that clearly ain't of God, you know, all kinds of prophecies, etc. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about who you should receive prophecy from. We're going to talk about tonight who you should not receive prophecy from. Because it's important to know. And so therefore we understand God wants to use these gifts. But you know, so then the devil, he wants to try to take advantage of them and misuse them and obviously take advantage of people's lives. But we don't kick out the blessing of God and what the gifts of God are for. We just simply need to learn how to operate in those gifts. Amen. So number one on your notes, there, I want you to notice this. There is, look at this, three key things here. There is a gift of prophecy, underline these. There's a gift of prophecy. There is a spirit of prophecy, number two. And then there's the office of the prophet. There's the gift of prophecy. There is what is known as the spirit of prophecy. We're going to cover all these. And there is what is known as the office of the prophet. Now, this, is been, uh, this has been a study put together by Dr. Barclay, who, by the way, has a prophetic adornment, who is a prophet of God. So who better to understand and glean this you know, from than one who truly was gifted as, a, as God to be a prophet? Some people think that if all of a sudden you do get a word of prophecy, that makes you a prophet. No, it don't. And we need to understand the difference between what Scripture teaches about of a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge that he could give to any believer as opposed to simple prophecy that the Bible says all believers can do. All believers can function in. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse 7. We'll refer back to these verses later, but this is the only time we're going to look at them. But the manifestation of the Spirit. The what? So what are we believing for? The manifestation of the Spirit. The New Testament tells us that we should have this operating and functioning in our midst. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to what? Underline that, to each one. So don't exclude yourself. Don't exclude yourself. God wants to use his spirit, not quote unquote, to tell you more about your life in this, in this case, but to help you to help others. Now, it could be the opposite, of course, where somebody has actually spoken something in your life that's helping you. 
So notice again, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for what? Tell me. So it's for the profit of all. So see, the purpose isn't just for my personal profit. The purpose is to be able to help the profit of all other people. Verse 8, for to one is given, and here those gifts are, gifts of the Spirit. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Real quick, we won't go through all these in detail, but just touching on prophecy, what's a word of wisdom? What's a word of wisdom? Future. Word of wisdom is always something that's to come. And realize again, when a believer is used in this way, it is not to direct your life of how you're to live. It's to confirm things God's already been showing you. In the New Testament, even the New Testament prophet, although he could speak to you about things to come, it's different than the Old Testament prophet. That's one of the things I love about our pastor because he says anybody that tries to function as an Old Testament prophet under the New Testament is not functioning according to the Bible. Under the Old Testament, the prophets of God were the only ones that God allowed his spirit to come upon them where they could hear from God to direct people. Guess what? You're not to be led by a prophet. There is no place in the New Testament you're to be led by prophecy. You're supposed to be led by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God. So the point is God would already confirm in you things of your future of what obviously you know that He's already speaking to you about in line with the Word through a word of wisdom of somebody else. He just simply would confirm that. So again, to one is given a word of wisdom, future tense, things to come. Another word of knowledge is what? Present or past tense. Now, this is where familiar spirits try to step in because familiar spirits, biblically very seen, uh, seen very clear in the Bible, familiar spirits become familiar with you, with your family, your actions, things you do. And so realize, you know, for Satan to function in a Christian's life, he doesn't come as darkness. He comes as an angel of light. The Bible even says he has his own ministers of righteousness. Excuse me? His own ministers of righteousness. Does that mean they're right? No. But you know what? They sound like they are. He has, in other words, he has ministers in pulpits that he controls. That literally say they're speaking on behalf of God. See, people think if it's the devil, it would never acknowledge that, you know, that God is really who he says. He, oh, no, the demons acknowledge Jesus all the time. So understand a word of knowledge is what? Present or past tense and the way demons use this is familiar spirits they could see what you did yesterday and they could speak a word to somebody say hey I happen to know you was over here doing this doing that whatever well yeah that's right I was now they got your attention so realize familiar spirits could function that way but it doesn't mean we kick out the the manifestation gift of the word of knowledge we just simply learn how it functions in our life so we don't get deceived amen notice this moving on verse 9 to another faith which is not what we receive of salvation that we can develop. This is known as supernatural faith, which is in connection with, by the way, uh, context of working of miracles, because you can't work miracles without this supernatural faith in operation. That supernatural faith is what causes people to be raised from the dead. When I saw a young man raised from the dead, I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time I was doing it. I mean, I kind of knew. It's not like you're not aware of what's going on, but I wasn't thinking about it wasn't my faith that rose up and said, hey, go lay hands on this guy. I mean, something in me forced me to just go forward and do that. So that's called supernatural faith. So again, there's to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings. I like that because it's plural. By the way, when the gifts of healings is in manifestation, not trying to get too far off into this, but when the gifts of healings is in manifestation, does anybody need faith to receive healing? No. 
No, when that, wouldn't it be great if they function all the time? Well, why don't they? You ask God. I, I'm not God. The reality is, I mean, honestly, in one sense, if they did, because John G. Lake functioned in gifts of healings a lot. And he said, you know, I almost feel like it's a detriment sometimes because if somebody gets healed just because they got a healing without faith, guess what? They need faith to maintain it. And so the enemy can bring symptoms back on their body. And if they don't have faith to know how to stand against it, guess what? They accept that package again and they get right back where they were, sometimes worse off. But, but that doesn't mean we don't discount the use of the gifts of healings because God does want to show that obviously he cares about people and wants to help them. This is by the same spirit. Verse 10, you're still with me. To another the working of what? So a miracle is literally again like a raising somebody from the dead. It is something that, that affects and changes the natural world from out of the supernatural world. That can only be done by the supernatural. Uh, like remember Jesus in the, in the temple when he told a man to stretch his hand out and it was withered? That was a miracle. That wasn't a healing. That was a, that was a manifestation of an arm that wasn't there. So understand, that's what's known as the working of miracles. And I'm not trying to get off into all these too deep here. To another what? Underline that, please, because this is what we're going to talk about tonight. Now, this is simple prophecy. Simple prophecy, meaning what, Pastor? So this is actually what the Bible goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians 14. Words of exhortation, edification, and comfort. This is known as this simple prophecy of which the Bible says we can all do this. We can all function in this gift. To another, discerning of spirits, ability to discern, to see, to recognize different types of spirits. Not just demonic, even, even godly spirit, angelic hosts of all kind. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of those tongues, which by the way, equals simple prophecy. So for somebody who may not really know how to function to the degree to operate initially in prophecy, sometimes God will use somebody to give a tongue. And then he'll interpret it, give somebody the interpretation or the same person that had the tongue, which is the same now as what? Simple prophecy. Uh, but notice verse 11, but one and the same spirit, say the Holy Spirit. One and the same spirit works all these things, say all these things. He's the one that does so, distributing to each one individually as he wills. What's my part? What's your part? Be available. Want to be used. Let God use you. Want to help people. The whole, the whole goal, go to Revelation 19. The whole goal of functioning with the Holy Spirit is simple. You simply don't want to do it to, to gain attention. You don't want to do it to look like you're somebody big. You want to do it because you want to help people. You want to do it because you want to see others blessed and touched and obviously he, uh, set free and delivered, healed, etc. So when God can find a vessel that really does not want any attention brought to them, but they really want to help other people, then God has no problem using these people. Revelation 19 so that what we just revealed is referring in that context, as I told you to underline, the gift of prophecy. Back to the notes there. There is a gift of prophecy. That's simple prophecy that we just read about in 1 Corinthians. That's why I had you underline it, chapter 12, 7 through 10. So if you want to put a note there on 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, you can put out there a gift of prophecy or simple prophecy. Now let's look at what's called a spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19. Revelation 19.10 says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of what? Jesus. Underline it, the testimony of Jesus. So this is John, of course, on the Isle of Patmos. 
And this angel revealing these things to him says, you don't worship me. You are also a fellow servant of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship who? Underline this, please. For the testimony of Jesus is this spirit of prophecy. So, so what is this spirit of prophecy, Pastor? It's us doing things that testify to Jesus. It's where the presence of God comes for us to be able to testify of the goodness of our God, of revealing Jesus. When we do testify of Jesus in relationship to what he himself is the only one that has done what he could do in our life, and we magnify him and we glorify him, that's a type of spirit of prophecy. Amen? You're still with me, right? Ephesians chapter 4, and now we'll look at the third one, the office of the prophet. And then we'll go through these individually. Ephesians chapter 4. So that spirit of prophecy is just that which brings testimony to Jesus, to literally testify of Jesus. What's that mean? Testify of what he did. Testify of what he's done by helping others to receive it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. So if you want to put behind Revelation 19, 10, that is the spirit of prophecy. And then behind Ephesians 4.11 here is the office of the prophet. The office of the prophet. So I know you know these verses. 4.11, Jesus himself, referring to he himself as Jesus here, gave some to be apostles, some what? Prophets, underline it. Some prophets. So this is the office of the prophet. This is not the same as the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives. These are gifts from Jesus. He gave the gift of apostle prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We went in a class, remember this? We went over the gifts that Jesus gave, the gifts the Holy Spirit gave, and the gifts that Father God gave. But these are the gifts of Jesus, so they're different than the Holy Spirit. Therefore, this is talking about the office of the prophet. Fivefold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So, if I have a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, from time to time, God gives me a word of wisdom, word of knowledge. Some of you got some when we've had our prayer time uh, going into the first of the year. If I give you a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the Holy Spirit gives me, does that make me a prophet? No. No, I'm a pastor. I'm, and as a pastor, part of those other fivefold gifts you have to have is a teacher. You have to have the gift to teach. Because you have to do what? You have to be able to teach your family and help them under, get knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. So just because you give a prophetic word by God doesn't put you in the office of a prophet. How do we know if you're a fivefold minister? Number one, God's going to confirm that in your heart to begin with, to show you clearly that that's part of what your gifting is. Number two, it's got to be confirmed by leadership above you. Amen. All through the book of Acts. Anytime somebody stepped out on their own to try to step out into what they would claim they're, you know, a prophet or an apostle, whatever, and there's no endorsement of leadership above them, I'm going to tell you what, they're not called. Because if they're called, God's going to confirm it. He's always confirmed it all through the book of Acts. Paul himself never stepped out into the apostolic gifting until it was recognized by the leadership over him. He was preaching the gospel. You listening? But he never ever called himself an apostle, nor did he think of himself of one. You know why Paul was so, so uh, zealous to preach the gospel? Because he was persecuting the church. And all of a sudden, Jesus reveals himself to him. He's like, man, did I ever miss it? So what's he doing? He's feeling like, man, I got to do something to help people know this Jesus is for real. So he literally preached for a long, I mean, literally a long time before Barnabas brought him in the company of the initial disciples. And that's when God said, say God said. God separated him out through that leadership and said, I want you to now step out in the call of God on your life as an apostle. 
So you got to understand leadership needs to acknowledge that. We have a lot of people today. This is what you're going to see in the last days. Of all of these five-fold ministry gifts, I have a question. Which do you think will be the most misused by the devil? Prophet. Yeah, people want to hear a word from God, hear the, oh man, I want to get a word, I need a word, I wish God would speak to me, or God gave me a word, or, you know, I was down at the grocery store, and this gal spoke to me, man, she must be a prophet, gave me a word, praise the Lord. So, you know, it's amazing how many people, and you got to be careful because, how many understand there are women prophets? The Bible said so. We have the context of Scripture, women prophets, but not in the case of in that and that setting. How many understand this in the New Testament of what the Bible reveals about the aspect of the prophets that he reveals there? Simple prophecy is what he's talking about. That they have the ability to walk in simple prophecy of words of exhortation, edification, comfort to men. So understand those fivefold ministry gifts are a calling to full-time ministry to fulfill that call. Amen? And those are gifts that Jesus gives, again, of which you should know, but you should also have confirmation from leadership. I would have never, ever, you know, when I stepped into pastoring, I did it simply because Coy asked me, would you help get this church started? He had a word from God. He already knew. God told him I'm to be the pastor. And sometimes, you know, uh, this is what I love about Dr. Barclay. Our pastor, Dr. Barclay, said, the problem is, is that most people who claim to be prophets either maybe really aren't a prophet, or if they are, they're not functioning the way God says a prophet should. Just because God reveals something to you doesn't mean you should tell everybody. And he said, God told me, the Lord told me one time, he said, son, I don't have a hard time getting certain people to hear from me. I have a hard time saying anything to them and they don't, and, and, and they don't, and they won't, they don't want to keep their mouth shut. They won't tell everybody. You know why? Because they want everybody to think, hey, look, I'm a prophet. I heard from God. So, you got to understand that what we want to know is we want to know what is true from the Word of God as a prophetic statement of what God's given us and what is not. And how do we guard against that? Well, number two on your notes there, notice this. The gift of prophecy. So we're talking of those three things up there on number one. Gift of prophecy, spirit of prophecy, office of the prophet. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. I'll just show it to you real quick as we get ready to see this and read this, go to 1 Corinthians 14 with me. This will help clarify. If you've never seen this before, now, you understand, and, and I know I'm, I'm going through this pretty quick, but I've got to, because these classes are not designed to go in-depth again into every one of these areas, but to give you an overview. But you know what? That's why you got notes. So now, as a good student of the Word, you can go study this out and prove it yourself. So understand again, I'm not trying to confuse you. Most of you maybe obviously already know this, but the office of a prophet is not the same as simple prophecy. I'll help you with something that's not in this teaching. A person who is called as a true prophetic gift, office of the prophet, they will consistently function in words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and some of them even discerning of spirits. Consistently. Because that's a call on their life. Now, that doesn't mean if you get words of wisdom and words of knowledge like sometimes I do, you're a prophet. I'm not a prophet. God's never, God's never told me I'm a prophet. It's not my calling. Not my leadership never has. I get words of wisdom, words of knowledge. Out of the gifts of the Spirit, you got to kind of learn where God uses you the most. Now, God will use you in any of those gifts whenever he needs to. But realize God knows that there's certain people he can function with better in some of those gifts than others. So he will tend to function in those gifts a little more in the area of one person's life than another person. So for me, it tends to be words of wisdom, words of knowledge. That don't make me a prophet. Because once again, I would, know, I would need to know God told me that, and I would need to know leadership told me that. But a true prophet is going to function in words of wisdom, 
words and knowledge consistently because they function in that office. Not the same as simple prophecy, which is what we're talking about now. A gift of prophecy is simple prophecy. So again, number two, the gift of prophecy is a manifestation of the person of the Holy Spirit. It is something that comes up through your spirit. God gives you by his spirit to a God can use anyone he pleases when he pleases in this utterance gift. To be the gift of prophecy is limited to three applications. This is simple prophecy. And we're going to look at them real quick. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. You still with me? He who prophesies. So if you want to put a note above that, this is the gift of prophecy or simple prophecy. This is not the office of a prophet. This is not talking about the office of a prophet. This is this simple prophecy that was talked about because remember, where did he first bring up these gifts? Over here in chapter 12 in this letter. So it wasn't written in chapter and verse. So now he gets over here to what we know as chapter 14, which wasn't a chapter then. He starts explaining the aspects of these gifts. And he says, he who prophesies speaks, underline it, edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue does what? Edifies himself. Is it good to speak in tongues? Yeah, you edify yourself. But he who prophesies does what? So, how many of you know the church could really use some edification? I said, how many of you know the church could really use some edification? So we need to learn how to walk in the light of this simple prophecy of words of edification exhortation and comfort. It never ever gives you direction for the future. It never talks about things in relationship to your future. It doesn't talk about all these things that's happened in your past. It's just a word that goes along with something that edifies, exhorts, or comforts you based on your walk with God or where you're at. 2C, the gift of prophecy should never, as I just said, direct, predict, foretell, rebuke, or reveal. This is the ministry of the office of the prophet. So when somebody actually says, I have a prophecy for you, first of all, you should ask yourself this question. Who is this person that says they have a prophecy for me? Number one, we're going to see who you should listen to, who you should. Number two, you ought to be very careful who you let ever let prophesy to you. Now, if it's in the context of a church family like this, and somebody says that they have a word of prophecy for you, how do we know for sure if what they're going to tell you, this isn't in this teaching, so I'm just trying to help you. How would, we, how would we know for sure if that was from God or not? Well, number one, in the midst of a service, somebody in the time of a service could literally by the Holy Spirit in a time that it's obviously fitting in the service, I'm not saying anything, nobody else is saying anything, they might give a tongue or an interpretation or... A simple prophecy. They may just say, hey, the Lord says, and da-da-da-da-da, which is how it should be done because it should be done before leadership. Why? The Bible says it has to be judged. Is that of God or is that not of God? So if somebody walks up to you this church and says, hey, brother, sister, I got a simple prophecy for you. You know what you should do? Hold on, hold on. Let's call our pastor. Because the Bible says it's supposed to be judged. So I know if it's of God or not. Can we get a better amen? So you shouldn't just have people run around prophesying to you. Because that's not what the scriptures teach. The Bible says that it needs, to be, it needs to be properly judged by leadership so that you know it's from God. So understand again, those words are going to simply give what? Edification, exhortation, or comfort. Edification, they're going to build you up. And that's not just telling you what your flesh wants to hear. No, build you up spiritually. 
Exhortation. You know what that means? Come on, you can make it. I'm telling you, God's saying to this church, you know, somebody could stand, uh, whoever's going through a tough time, I'm telling you right now, by the Spirit of God, God's saying, you stand up, you press on, you keep going, you're a winner, you're a child. See, that's, somebody could do that, that's exhortation. That's a simple prophecy, and somebody could be going through a really tough time and say, man, I needed to hear that today. See, I mean, you know, we need this functioning in the church because it builds up the church. How about words of comfort? You might have gone through a tough time, but I'm telling you, God still love. He still loves you. He hadn't forgot about you. Come on. He's not forgot about what you've been through, what you've gone through. You're not telling them what they went through. See, you're not giving, quote unquote, you're not giving any direction, guidance, prediction, foretelling, rebuke, or revealing. No, you're just simply saying what we know the Bible says about our God to be able to do what? To edify, to exhort, and comfort. Does anybody have any confusion about that? Because you need to really understand that. Understand God wants us to function in our church. Well, how would I know when I'm supposed to say something? First of all, you should be aware that the Holy Spirit's given you something like that to say to the church. We could be standing up here in a time that's quiet or even like Matt said, let's wait on the Lord or sometimes I do. You could speak up. You could speak up and say what's in your heart to say to the church. What if I'm wrong? I'll correct it. Well, then I'll feel like an idiot. No, you won't. You'll learn. Say, okay, that wasn't God. All right, that was my lunch today, but that wasn't God. So, so understand, you, you, you know, the thing about learning about gifts of the Spirit and the things of the Spirit, nobody perfects them the first time. Any of you ever take on any understanding of anything to do in your life that you never made a mistake at doing it? Wait, 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 I'm going to back up. You didn't hear what I said. Have any of you ever taken on any kind of an undertaking of something to do in your life of which you never made a mistake in doing it? No, see, part, part of learning is making mistakes. Isn't that right? We're better to learn how to function in these gifts than in the house of God where your pastor knows if it's God or not, where your pastor can help you learn how to function in those things. The problem with most Christians is they're too, they're too afraid to say anything. They're too afraid to be used by God. You know what I'm saying? And, and so you got to realize now it doesn't mean every single service you should have a simple prophecy. Because there are people that all of a sudden think every service they should have some kind of a prophecy to give. But we need this in the church, folks. I said we need this in the church. This simple prophecy is for the church. More than anything, it's for the body of Christ. It's to help build the body of Christ and make the body of Christ stronger. So this is that first part of what we're talking about, number one, the gift of prophecy. Let's move on. Number three, what about the spirit of prophecy? Well, the spirit of prophecy, which brings testimony to Jesus, it can fall like a blanket on a congregation. And when this happens, many people feel as though they should prophesy. And this includes be teaching, preaching, or testifying about what? The words of Christ. Because it's the testimony of what? Christ. It's the testimony of Jesus. And the works of Christ that are a spirit of prophecy. So let me give you an example of this functioning right now in Asbury. All right, at the, at the revival of Asbury, there are leaders that are handling this very well. They've had all these famous preachers call up and say, hey, would you like me to come and help you with this? Uh, re- respectfully, no. <laughs> no, because you know what they'll want to do. They'll want to take control of it. They've had, they've had famous, you know, worship leaders and stuff call and say, hey, if you need us to come help, respectfully, no, no. We're going to let our students handle this. 
And we're going to help let our leadership handle this. We're not trying to take anything, any way, take anything away from anybody. Which, by the way, they're now shutting it down where it's not going to be 24 hours a day. you got to understand, after the length of time they've been going, do you, you, you realize the, what people don't think about? You know how much Helps Ministries needs to be involved in doing this? Any idea of the thousands of people that are showing up? Well, how are you going to organize them? Who gets to go in the sanctuary and who don't? On top of the day you and I live in, which they did put up, you have to have metal detectors. Right. Don't think some wacko weirdo guy isn't going to say, hey, here's a chance for me to go knock out a bunch of Christians. So it takes a lot of work. Yes. You know, re revival, a, a lot of people want revival, but the truth is, if you see the heart of revival, most people wouldn't have the ability to truly stand up and do what's necessary to see it happen because it's a lot of work. It's, everybody just thinks you're just sitting and basking in the presence of God. Who's going to control all the people that come in and go out? Right. Who's going to deal with all the parking? These people have been lined up the other day. There was people lined up from the very front door all the way around the entire campus. Right. Waiting for three, four hours to get in. Who's going to facilitate all that? But understand, I don't believe, as many have now said, I don't believe this was a revival for all the world to go to. This was a revival for Asbury College. This was a revival for those young people that are in that college that had a hunger for God, many which repented. Come on, all kinds of testimonies of many of them saying, you know what, I haven't been on fire for God. I haven't been serving God like I need to be. I believe it was a revival for Asbury College that yes, can spread throughout the land, but I don't believe this was a revival for everybody to drop everything and run to Asbury College. Because God started with those young people that were hungry for God that wanted to have more of God. And for the initial first, you know, say, handful of days, four or five days, because it took a while to get out. Guess what? They're the ones getting to be blessed with what God's doing in their life in the midst of that revival. And I think the leadership has done right now to shut it down where it's not a 24-hour thing. Because realize, they've had to call on a whole bunch of people that at once graduated from that college that still live in the community just to come help out with the hands-on stuff. Do you understand? Bathrooms still have to be cleaned. Trash still has to be emptied. There's a lot of logistics stuff that has to be dealt with. And there's a bunch of people that have gone hours and hours and hours without sleep. But back to this spirit of prophecy. So... How is this function in this Asbury revival? Example. So during times of this revival, all of a sudden one of the leaders would say, I just feel like any of you has a verse of scripture God's given you to share with the church, with the, with the rest of the students. Come on up. And they would bring them up and they would line them up. And they would give them a microphone and let them speak from the Bible, the word of God, what God had given them. That's called the spirit of prophecy because they're testifying to Jesus. They're testifying from the Word of God about Jesus and about the goodness of God and what God wants to do in their life. That's the spirit of prophecy that fell on that entire, uh, entire group in that, in that place. Not everybody obviously came up and gave something, but many of them did. And guess what else obviously is a part of that spirit of prophecy? Those inspired to go up and testify. Talk about what Jesus did. I get a better amen. So this is known as the spirit of prophecy that can fall like a blanket on a congregation where all of a sudden, in essence, what was going on in this revival? So different people have got up and taught. They don't just let anybody get up there. They're, they're smart enough to know. We don't just hand somebody a mic and just let somebody get up there and start teaching. But others have also done some preaching. Others have been testifying about what Christ has done, sharing the word of God. They've had everything from students to faculty doing so. That is the spirit. A prophecy. Amen? Amen? Powerful. Acts 21. Go to Acts 21. 
what actually brings revival, Pastor? Well, I've been studying it for years and reading different things from different people that have gone through it, experienced it, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm going to tell you the primary two things that brings about revival, two key things, hunger and repentance. Hunger and repentance. You look at every revival that's ever happened, you know what you'll find? A hunger for God and people wanting to repent for not being hungry or repent from the things that they know they need to turn from. And when they have a heart to turn, you know, I think about this revival. This young boy got up and he, and literally after the preaching of the message, I love it because the minister said, you know, I didn't even feel like it was that great of a sermon. You know why he brought that up? Because it ain't about a great sermon. It's about just sharing the word of God. And so he said, all of a sudden, I gave an altar call for people to respond to what I've been teaching about, about fervency for God. And this young boy comes up and started repenting. Then another one, then another one. And I'm going to tell you what, that's a sign of a hunger and a repentance to want to turn and get hungry for God again. Amen. God fills the hungry. You know the problem with most of the body of Christ? They're not hungry enough for God. Can I prove it to you? Look around you. These chairs should be full. If people were hungry for God, they'd be going after everything that's God. Everything that's God. I can prove it to you. So in relationship to spiritual hunger, natural hunger, similar. We're going to talk about this next Sunday. In relationship to spiritual hunger, natural natural hunger is similar. When you're hungry, naturally, what do you do? You go find food. When you're spiritually hungry, guess what you do? You go find more of God. Not hard to figure out. You don't find less of God, you go after more of Him. Every chance you can get more of God, you're going to go after it. Amen. 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 Number four, the office. So let's go to the third one, the office of the prophet. The office of the New Testament prophet has its own unique ministry to the body. Let's look at that in the context of the New Testament. Acts 21, Acts chapter 21. We're going to pick it up here in verse 10. Now, understand Paul had stayed at Philip's house many times. In context of his travels, his, his daughters, both of them, the Bible said prophesied. They weren't prophets. They didn't function in the office of a prophet. So a lot of women, all of a sudden, who are using prophecy, start calling themselves prophetesses. Now, it says that he had two daughters that prophesied. It did not say Philip had two prophet, uh, prophetesses for daughters. Can I get a better Amen. amen. So understand, Paul had been in their house many times, but the reason, as you're going to see in the office of the prophet, that's more directive, that's going to give correction or direction, etc., that's not going to come from somebody operating simple prophecy. And that's why God never used the two daughters of Philip and all the times he stayed at his house to say what Paul's about to hear. He used Agabus. Why? Because he's in the office of a prophet. You understand the difference? Don't, don't look at me and get upset about that. Understand that those two daughters, the Bible did not call them prophets. No. No. That's not what it says. The Bible said he had two daughters that prophesied. Four daughters, four daughters that prophesied. Understand his daughters prophesied, but they weren't what? They weren't in the office of a prophet. They spoke words of what? Edification, exhortation, comfort. So God would use them consistently in that area. So notice this, verse 10. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named what? Agabus. A certain what? Prophet. So here's one functioning in the office of the prophet. The office of the prophet Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt. He bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man 
who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. This is not a word of exhortation. It's not a word of edification. It's not a word of comfort. This is a word of future uh, uh, aspects of what's going to go on that in, in his case is not going to be pleasant. And therefore it's coming through the office of a prophet. Notice this verse 12. He goes on and says, Now when, he, uh, now when we heard these things, both we, and those, uh, in, that, both we and those from that place, we pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul answered, What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am, not, I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, The will of the Lord be done. Now it was after this that Paul later found out he had to go testify in Rome. And therefore, he then knows he's not going to die in Jerusalem. He's going to wind up in Rome. Amen? So, in the office of a prophet, number 4, 4a, under the New Testament, Paul's whole company had stayed at this evangelist's house many times. He had four daughters who had prophesied, and that's referring to the gift of simple prophecy. They weren't prophets. Say they were not prophets. When anybody says, well, I'm a prophetess just like Philip's daughters. No, you weren't. No, no, that's, they weren't prophets. They just prophesied. Simple prophecy. See, yet no one had prophesied to Paul until the New Testament prophet Agabus came into the house. D, because the gift of prophecy is not used for personal prophecies. The gift of prophecy is not used for personal prophecies. This, this is an anointing of a New Testament prophet. Amen? So different than the edification, exhortation, comfort to men. Now, I want you to understand that because in the end of this, we're going to get into something that we're going to start believing for in this church. Because the Bible says your sons and daughters will prophesy. Didn't say they'd be prophets. Said they would what? Which is words of exhortation, edification, comfort to men. Go to 1 Timothy now. Come on. Our, our key verse here of what we're talking about tonight. So that's just understanding those three roles or three aspects of what we see of prophecy, of what is known as the gift or simple prophecy, or what is known as the spirit of prophecy falling on a congregation, or the function of the office of a prophet. But in the midst of all that, you may be obviously getting confirmation from prophetic words of an of a office of a prophet, or words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and therefore you can wage a good warfare over those prophecies that you've been given. Again, how many have had prophecies that haven't come to pass yet? So... If you know they're from God, you need to go to war. You need to battle with those prophecies. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 18. Paul said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to what? The prophecies previously made concerning you. How many know one of those prophecies was he would be a pastor? How many know one of those prophecies would be he would be a pastor? Paul prophesied that to him. We know because the scriptures relate the fact that he clearly at one time revealed him that was his calling. It doesn't specifically show him prophesying that. We know he confirms it, though. And that he clearly prophesied that was to happen. Now, I'm going to tell you, I can relate to this as a pastor. Guess what helps you even when you're already in that calling? Knowing that I'm called. Right. Having prophecies that tell me I'm called. Because you know how many times I wanted to quit as a pastor? You know what helped me war a good warfare against my wanting to quit? The prophecies I'd been given. Now, wait a minute. God called me to do this. See, these prophecies aren't just for what hasn't come to pass yet. They can help you wage a good warfare when you don't want to continue to do what God's called you to do. And that's what he's telling Timothy here. 
He says, Timothy, I'm committing to you, son Timothy, according to these prophecies made concerning you, that by them you may what? Wage a good warfare. Because Timothy's very young here. Timothy's in an area where there's a lot of challenge going on with the church in Ephesus. A lot of challenge. He's a young pastor. He's not only being challenged outwardly by people in the community, he's being challenged by people within the church. Many are actually saying he's too young to be a pastor, even though Paul established him as a pastor and put him in that position. So Paul writing to him now in this letter, simply reminding Timothy by the Holy Spirit, don't forget, God's the one that told you this is your calling. Wage a good warfare. In other words, you want to put it in a simple way? You ain't quitting, Timothy. You ain't quitting. Rise up. Remember the fact that God's prophesied you're, this is your calling. So don't let them back you down. Don't let them get you to quit. You obey God. You do what God called you to do. Number five, we are told therefore to wage, excuse me, we are told therefore to war a good warfare according to the prophecies that were given what? Over us. 5a. Prophecies are meant as roadmaps. Roadmaps. Now that doesn't mean they tell us the destination. They're just kind of helping us to know that's where we're supposed to go. That's how we need to go in direction to get there. 5B, watch this. You're going the right direction. Exactly, Kathy. Great word. 5B, because how many you know if you're looking at a map, you can tell if you're going the right direction or not? So like in my case, you know, how many you know if I look at my life, I'm to be a pastor? What if I'm not going that direction? Prophecies reveal you're going the wrong direction. I ain't call you to be a bull rider. Right? I told Kathy the other day, we were watching a, a pro rodeo, you know. I mean, you watch these pro rodeos today. Now, realize a lot of these bull riders have left the PRCA and they've gone into what's known as the PBR. The PBR, man, these are ranked bulls. These aren't, you know, uh, if you understand the difference between a ranked bull and a nice bull, a nice bull, anybody could pretty much ride every time you get on him. A ranked bull, man, you know, maybe 70% of the time you're going to hit the ground. 20, 30% of the time you're going to ride him. In the PBR, they're getting on those bulls every time. In the PBR, an average score in the 70s gets you an option for a re-ride. In the PRCA, that wins a rodeo. In a lot of rodeos in the PRCA. Today, nothing against the bull riders, but today a lot of those bull riders have left to go to the PBR. So guess what? The quality of bull riders in the PRCA has gone down. You can watch a pro rodeo and never see a qualified ride in the bull riding. To a whole performance. They had one again the other night in San Antonio. One guy rode, rode his bull. Got the, whole, got the whole pot for the whole entire deal. They paid four places. He got all of it, seven grand for one bull ride. So I was telling Kathy, here I am coming up on 60. I said, I don't know, man. I need to crack my rope out. <laughs> you know what prophecy would tell you? That's not the road map. Come on, somebody. You listening? The prophecies concerning me don't tell me that's the roadmap you're supposed to walk out. No. And can I tell you, it's just joking. I, t- I joke with her, you know, but I, I know the minute, you know, but your brain, you know your brain will tell you stuff? There, there's times you look at it and you think, man, I could ride that bull. I could ride that. I could ride those bulls. I could run every bull in that pen right there. Your mind's telling that. But you know what your body wakes up and tells you? <laughs> no, you can't. <clears throat> Remember when you got out of bed the other day? <laughs> 5B. You don't even need a prophetic word. 5B. 5B. I'm trying to explain the roadmap thing. Hope I didn't confuse you. Roadmap's not telling you all, all you're supposed to do. It helps you know I'm going the right direction. It's like a roadmap. Okay, I'm headed towards the right direction. Praise God. 
You know, it's the thing that most guys didn't like to use for years, you know, because they'd say, oh, I'm not lost. No, I'm not lost. I'm lost. Get the roadmap out. No, I'm not lost. I know right where I'm going. Yeah, all right, sure. And two hours later, we're still wondering why we haven't got to our destination. So I've never done that. <laughs> I better not lie. <laughs> I have done that. Technology is a great thing, though, because I love my, t- my little map on my GPS, but I just put that baby on and let it tell me where to go. So. 5B. How many of you know they get it wrong many times? Yeah. Terry and Renee Maya is coming to see our house for the first time. Terry's on. Don't you. Listen, I, better not, I better not mention certain maps. He's using a certain map. I said, Terry, that's the dumbest map on your phone. I said, it hardly knows no, it hardly knows no place to go. It always gets it wrong. So I told Terry, you know, he said, just text me your address because they're at Cracker Barrel. We'll be down there. We'll come down there. And like 30 minutes later, we get a call. You know what? We're not sure if this is your house or not. Do you have a bunch of dogs out in the front yard? Whoa. We ain't got a single dog, man. And I mean, you should have heard Renee. It's like, we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're in the wilderness in the boonies, man. Who knows what all's out here? We, well, there's, it's not even really a road. It's just kind of like some ruts in the ground somewhere out here. <laughs> I said, where are you? They were over south of our house. He said, well, I'm just following the thing on the phone. I said, that, you got the wrong one, buddy. You need to start listening to this other map thing. I said, it, it took them clear off the wrong direction, so... 5B, we are supposed to know where we're going. Underline it. You, as a child of God, are supposed to know where you're going. You're supposed to know from God where you're going. You're supposed to know what His plan is for your life. What does He want you to do? What does He want to use you in? Not just in the aspect of ministry in every part of your life. What is His plan? So you need to know where you're going. Amen? Amen. Watch this. Prophecies, therefore, are simply to do what? Confirm where you're going. That's so important. See, prophecies aren't supposed to tell you where to go. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, thank you. Praise God. I mean, it's hilarious. Some of the stories pastor tells. He said, I had a guy in my church that thought he was called to be a pastor. And I kept telling him, brother, I love you, but you're not called to be a pastor. But pastor, I just, I'm telling you, as your pastor, you're not called to be a pastor. Lo and behold, he left my church and went out to pastor. And he did so because he actually later told me, he said, well, you know, I was at the grocery store and I was buying something. As I was buying something, I was talking to this lady saying, glory to God, hallelujah. She said, you must be a pastor. And he said, there you go. There's the first witness that I'm going to be a pastor. And then somebody else did it in another story. said, I got it, man. I got two or three more witnesses. So I know I'm called the pastor, man. Praise God. No, 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 no. He's, the reality is you should know where you're supposed to go already. And, pro, and prophecies are to confirm it, but not from the gal at the checkout line. Right. Amen. Get a better amen. amen. 5C. Never, 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 never. Never. Did I make that point yet? Yeah. Never be what? Led by your prophecies. But rather do what? War by them. Yeah. War by them. Don't let prophecies lead you because there's no place under the New Testament. Prophecies are to lead us. God leads us. Yeah. Holy Spirit leads us. Yeah. Word of God leads us. Yeah. What are those prophecies for? Warfare. Right. Use them. I know I'm going the right direction. Praise God. I'm sticking with it. Yeah. I know it because I got a word from God. I'm not backing down. I'm not giving in. Amen. The prophecy's not directing me. The prophecy's helped me war. A good warfare where I'm going. So important. You ought to highlight or circle or underline that statement. Never be led by prophecies, but rather do what? War by them, according to the New Testament. Number six on your notes, the Bible is clear. Say clear. The Bible is clear on who should be giving us prophecies. Presbytery, your own presbytery. What's presbytery, pastor? Fivefold ministry. 
Presbytery is just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers, known in the Bible a term as presbytery. But notice he said your presbytery, people you know. Why is that so important? Again, 1 Timothy 1.18 talks about warring a good warfare, but go to chapter 4 for a minute. Move over into chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 14 says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of who? Underline it. Eldership. Eldership. So now you're seeing, number one, in verse 18, when, when Paul was talking about these prophecies concerning him, we find out over here in chapter 4, verse 14, it was by his eldership, his leadership. His leadership. So again, you need to be very clear about this. Number six, we need to be clear, the Bible is, who should be giving us prophecies? Only those that are considered leadership in my life. Amen. Thus saith the Bible. Amen. Thus saith the Bible. You listening? Yes. Now, it doesn't mean in a congregation you couldn't get a word of simple prophecy, but again, your leadership is going to confirm it. Right. So it's still going to be recognized by your leadership. Right. 6A, don't allow strangers to speak in your life. Never. Never, never. Well, I'm just believing God's going to give me a word and you walk in the grocery store and somebody says something that day. That can be a familiar spirit messing with somebody. Right. <clears throat> right. Especially when you start talking, about, talking out loud about what you want to get. Right. When you start talking out loud, guess what demons can do? They can hear you. Yeah. Oh, hey, no problem, honey. I'll set that up for you. Yeah. Come on in this store here. I got somebody that serves me well. And I'll have them actually uh, be used by me through a familiar spirit. And I don't mean like they're demonic. They don't even know what they're doing. No, right. They don't even realize what they're doing. You know how many people honestly are sincere in their attempt to be used by God and want to be used by God, but they don't do so biblically? And so Satan uses them? Oh, wow. You understand that? Right. In context of what people try to do to prophesy to everybody everywhere they go? You listening? Yes. You want to be very careful about this. But do not allow strangers to speak in your life. Why? He's giving you leadership for a reason. Yes, right. Everybody comes to this pulpit we know personally. Yes. Every one of them. Amen. That's why we bring them. We know their lifestyles we're going to talk about in a minute. 6B, be sure that you know who's ministering to you, especially when they're trying to do what? Guide you. Why? Because they shouldn't be. They're confirming. They're just confirming what you should already know. 2 Corinthians 13. By the way, and, you know, we've said it so many times, but it just needs to be reiterated over and over and over again because a lot of people kind of forget. Should I look for a prophecy? No. You should not. The devil will oblige you. There's no place in the Bible that says look for prophecies. Never. Because the truth is God, again, wants us to be led by His Spirit and by the Word of God. We really have what we need to be led by God. All we're receiving through the aspect of the gifts of prophecy, we're not discounting it because we need it, it needs to be functioning our church biblically, etc. But all it's going to do is confirm, right? Yes. Let's talk about this confirmation thing that really gets confused in the body of Christ. Really gets confused. Number seven, confirmation is not always needed, but it will come when it is. Now let's talk about this. 2 Corinthians 13, 1. Like I was talking about the guy, one person in one grocery store, another in a gro another grocery store. Is that really what the Bible says? Let's look at this. This will be, Paul said, the third time I am coming to you. Right. Same, same guy. Right. Same Paul. Right. Do you listen? Yes. Notice, see, we can't, don't, a lot of people pull the last part of this verse out of its setting. Right. What was the first words out of Paul's mouth? This is the third time. 
Third time, Corinthian church, that I am coming to you, and therefore by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. You know, he's saying, this is the third time I've told you this. So you should know by now this is clearly from God, and you should listen to what I'm telling you, and you should heed what God's saying. You know what that means? You don't look for other witnesses. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a word from God to build that building. Four of those words came from the same vessel, Dr. Mark Barclay. God will confirm it over and over again by the same people. Just like Paul to the Corinthian church. Most people look for this two or three witnesses as other people. That's not what that setting even talks about. He didn't even say it was other people that did so. He said, this is the third time I've come to you. It did not say three different, two or three different people. It said witnesses. In other words, that I am testifying to you. Yes. Witnesses testify. I'm testifying for the third time. Yes. Right. So you know this is from God because God's given it to me more than once about you. Amen. Any amens on that? Amen. You don't go around looking for two or three different witnesses. That's not what that verse said. It's talking about testimonies given by the same person who's coming for the third time, testifying for the third time. God's telling me to tell you again. Amen? Amen. Amen. 7a, three different witnesses, not three different vessels. Very clear in that scripture. 7b, if you need confirmation, confirmation about something, you might still be a little unsure, then do what? Then wait for it. But if you don't, don't. Meaning what? Don't, if, you're not, if you're not absolutely sure, you kind of feel like God's directing you a certain way, you know it doesn't go against Scripture, but you're not sure and you need confirmation, then sit back and wait for the confirmation. God will give it if you need it. But if you don't, then move on with what God's told you to do. I love something that, uh, go to Jeremiah 23. I love something Lester Sumrall talked about, about his ministry. He had a young man ask him one time. He said, uh, Dr. Sumrall, surely... You must have the Lord speaking to you every day. He said, no, son, the last time that I heard the Lord's voice, don't misunderstand what he said. The last time that I heard the Lord's voice at that time was like 20-something years previous. You haven't heard from the Lord in 20-something years? I said, the last time I heard the Lord's voice to tell me anything to do was 20-something years ago. He told me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He told me to go and plant churches. He told me to go feed the hungry. And he told me to go raise up a church. And I have not in any shape or form heard God say anything different. So I'm doing what God told me to do. I don't need him to tell me again. I'm just obeying what he told me to do. Now, he went on to tell the guy, I'm not telling you I'm not led by the Spirit of God. I didn't say that. You said, when's the last time I heard God speak to me? 20-something years ago. Why? Because he expects me to do what he told me to do. And he hasn't told me anything different, so guess what I'm going to keep doing? What he told me to do. Can I get a better amen? That's a powerful word right there. Because a lot of people are always looking for God to say something else to them. Uh, Number eight on your notes. The last thing you want to get is caught up with the crowd who operates under the power of the mind. And they call it prophecy. Jeremiah 23, 21. 2321, God speaking through Jeremiah said here, I have not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I didn't send them, but they went forth. Meaning what? They're not speaking for me, but they're speaking. What are they speaking out of? Their minds. They're not speaking by God, by the Spirit of God, because God said, I didn't send them. I've not sent these prophets, yet they ran. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. 
But if they had stood in my counsel and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their doings. Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places? Shall I not see him? Uh, so, so I shall not see him, says the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name. Wow. Saying, I have dreamed, uh, I have dreamed, I have, uh, I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of, of the deceit of their own heart. Now, heart doesn't mean their spirit. Talking about their inner, inner soul, their inner mind. So you got to realize there's a lot of people who claim to speak for God that aren't speaking for God. And you need to watch out for these kind of people who simply want to try to control people really through what they're doing of, of, of what's coming through their mind because many of them God didn't send them. Could I get a better amen? So Matthew 24, Jesus warns us about these. Especially this last day. Well, how do I know a false prophet? First of all, who should you be listening to? Not just me. Who should you be listening to? If, as far as prophetic words, we just read it a minute ago. Who should we be listening to? Our eldership. Our eldership. We should not be going to other services. I'll never forget a gal. I so, man, I so remember this, so vivid in my mind. It was a young gal in our church. She'd just gotten born again. Just began to serve the Lord. Sweet little gal, and she was going through a lot of struggles, came into our church, got born again, started turning her life around, and all of a sudden these friends of hers started telling her, you need to come over to this prophet's meeting, over at this person's house. It's a, there's, a, there's a prophet over there that comes over to this house and speaks prophecies to everybody. And she's like, oh, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. So she goes. And all of a sudden, after going for a couple weeks, lo and behold, guess what? She now has a demon. Wait a minute, she's born again. Christians can't have a demon. Christians have anything they want. They can't possess your spirit, but they can get a hold of your soul. Now, how do you know? Because I cast it out. She started, after going to this second meeting, this, this, this so-called prophet prophesied all kinds of wacky, weird stuff over her. And after this second meeting, she starts having nightmares. I mean, she could not, she, she was being tormented like crazy. She finally calls a few weeks later, said, I don't know what to do. I'm going crazy. I'm just like wanting to pull out my hair and just commit suicide and get rid of my life. I don't know what to do. I'm just going nuts. I said, you need to come over to this church tonight. It was a Wednesday. I said, you need to get over here. So she did. And she told me what all happened. So I told one of the guys in my church, I literally was supposed to preach that night. I had to turn the service over to somebody else. You need to take the service because I need to go help this guy. And I can't go by myself alone with another woman in another room, and I need to take this guy with me. So we went in the room, and I knew she's demon-possessed. And we went into the room and started talking to her, and, and I said, you know you got a demon? She said, yeah. How do I get rid of it? I said, I'm about to. But I said, you got to understand, you cannot open your life up to these quote-unquote so-called prophets that you have no knowledge of, because I'll guarantee what, it opens the door sometimes for Satan to take advantage of your life. You start to believe in their lies, and you give way for that demon to come and to mess with you. You want to get rid of it? Yeah, we cast it out. When we cast it out, man, I'm telling you, it was kind of like something I saw at Asbury the other day. When we cast it out, she fell to the floor like she was dead. And the other guy went to go. I said, uh-uh, no, 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 just leave her alone. And she just laid there, man. Her eyes kind of rolled back in her head, you know. And then she just went, you know, just totally 
you know, no movement, just laid there. And all of a sudden, a few minutes later, about three or four minutes later, she rose up and her eyes opened up. And guess what? All that glassy stuff was gone. Clear. I mean, seriously, when I went to cast it out, it, it, it told me, you can't cast me out. I said, watch. <laughs> Won't make a bet. I'm not fighting. I'm just talking. Oh, yes, I can. Now, there's a long story to that whole thing. I, I was learning how to deal with demons. And I did stuff that you shouldn't do. I just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying and kept trying to cast it out. And it kept telling me, you can't cast me out. Well, I knew I could. But I kept speaking to it over and over and over. I wasn't talking to her. And I'm not talking about, if you've ever seen somebody demon-possessed, we're not talking about somebody just angry, mad, out in the world. We're, I mean, literally, their eyes glaze over, man, their voice will change. And, and, and this demon, it's not them talking, it's the demon talking to you. And so, basically, after, man, we went on, gosh, I mean, we're sweating, every, we're like 30 minutes, you know, he's trying to hold her down, we're going through all this stuff. I finally said, get off of her, just leave her alone. I said, this is ridiculous. And the Lord just brought to my remembrance, you speak one time, son, that demon knows it has to go. And that's all I did. I said, this is it, man. In the name of Jesus, I command you to go. I didn't say it that nice. In the name of Jesus, I command you to go now. In Jesus' name. You can't cast me out. I never said another word. Never said another word. And within minutes, she hit the ground, fell to the ground. And after she woke up, she looked at me, sweetest look on her face. She said, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. I said, amen. And I said, now you stay away from those people. You don't go and listen to all these quote-unquote so-called other prophets. I said, I ain't never going to do that ever again. I said, good. You stay in church and you stay around those that you know God's put in your life. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.